Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Well, well, that that's was an mean. interesting Sunday. How's that mean? How's that mean? That's, How's that mean? I mean, can can we start off with like a Monday where like the Giants win and my dad throws a touchdown or something? We got to come on with like Montana crapping on the Giants. That hurt me that Sunday. That was the quietest I ever heard Giants Stadium get in my life, Mike. It was like, oh, they're going to beat the 49ers. Big Phil had drove the Giants down on a late touchdown at 17-13. The Giants had, had kind of had the Niners number the last few years. Steve Young started that game in, in place of Joe Montana. There was a little quarterback controversy going on there. And then Joe Cool had to do that to my dad and eight-year-old Chris Sims made me very sad. One thing that that image reminded me of, and we'll tell you in a minute why we showed you that clip, I had forgotten about that gigantic, disgusting red Meadowlands oh. logo <laughs> yeah, in the middle right? of the field. That had exited my mind, and I am now upset that it is back. That thing was the worst, wasn't it? The worst. So stupid. So bad. But New Jersey, and, you know, I was born there. And, of course, you know, we got our issues in New Jersey. The whole country knows that. But it was a, it was a, a, a you know, a, a battle between New York and New Jersey at the time because, you know, New York was mad. The Giants had moved to New Jersey. And uh, there was just all these issues there. So, Giant, you know, the, the, the Meadowlands being in New Jersey was kind of trying to show their New Jersey pride there. But, yes, it gave a horrible look for that stadium. Man, I would have done anything just to have it say Giants – or just a football in the middle of the field, or the NFL emblem or something. But that was ugly. I'm with you. So what happened was a YouTube user named Official Jaguar Gator 9 took the six games that were played in the early window 
in the second Sunday of the 1988 football season and put it together in a red zone style presentation. Awesome idea and a great look back into NFL history as to how things unfolded back in that day uh, on the day that Joe Montana came off the bench when Steve Young and Joe Montana, I think was injured or kind of injured or sort of injured. Yeah, there were some issues. It wasn't long after that that Joe Montana was not playing and Steve Young had that run for the ages against the Vikings where, uh, you know, he broke like 17 tackles and and just kind well, of that stumbled be- into the that end That was zone. before that, wasn't that? That was the year before. I think that's why they were dabbling with uh, Steve Young at that point because that was the 87 playoffs, right? When, no, when no Young it wasn't was, the playoffs. Or, it was, oh, it you're was right, the it was 88 regular, regular season. 88 right. regular season, right. that game uh, yep. that that uh, turned on that run. Oh, God, what an awful yep. run that was. If you're a Vikings fan, what a great run that was if you're a 49ers <laughs> fan. Fair and balanced. All right, uh, speaking of fair and balanced, let's take an objective, even-handed look at some comments that were made on Friday by O. Aaron Rodgers, his first discussion with reporters since the Packers moved up in round one to select Jordan Love in the 2020 draft. Now, this was Wisconsin media, not national media, and all that that implies when it comes to what kind of fastballs or softballs or or curveballs may be thrown at Aaron Rodgers, all due respect. Um, let's play some of what Rodgers had to say, Chris, and then we can react to it. Here is Rodgers fairly early in the conference call regarding his reaction to the team's decision to make Jordan Love its first-round pick general reaction at first was was surprised I think like many people um you know obviously not going to say that I was you know thrilled by by the pick necessarily but I I understand the organization is is thinking not only about the the present but about the future and I respect that you know I understand uh uh, understand their focus and their mindset and obviously they thought that uh, he was such a great talent that uh, they needed to go up and get him so um you know, I was, like I said, generally surprised, but, um, you know, it's, it's what, uh, it's what those guys are paid to do to put together a roster for now and, and for the future as well. A balance of candor and diplomacy there from Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he never comes out and says, Hey, they could have used that pick and it wasn't just the first round pick. It was the fourth round pick they used to jump up four spots. They could have used those selections on making the team better. Now helping us win a Super Bowl. Now he didn't say that, but does he really need to say that anybody who gets it knows that that's the trade off, but yeah, he said he wasn't thrilled by it, but he respects that that's what those guys have to do. I, I there was nothing in there that was inflammatory and there was nothing in there that was surprising uh, he said pretty much what I would have guessed he was going to say if I had to script it ahead of time. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm with you as well. You know, the one thing I like about Aaron Rodgers is he always confronts the situation and takes it head on. And yeah, you know, he's, and he's usually very honest. I mean, whether it's a popular thing he says or an unpopular thing, you know, he's not afraid to, to say it. And that's one thing I really respect about him. And yeah, of course, he wasn't happy. He let you let everybody know with those comments. You know, but I also think that, yeah, he's got a good, good, good uh, view of the big picture of what the Green Bay Packers are trying to do as an organization. Now, listen, do I think that the Packers are thinking a little too far into the future right now with Jordan Love and all that? And the fact that quarterbacks play so, you know, deep into their 30s and early 40s? Yes, I do. That's why I don't agree with the pick. But I think Rodgers, I think, is going to play this the right way. He realizes where he is at, a, at this point of his career. 
I also think he realizes, hey, I want to keep the organization happy and, you know, everything going on the up and up because we got a good football team and he'd like to win another Super Bowl for Green Bay and for himself and his legacy and everything that way too. So he doesn't want to ruin that right now when he deems like, hey, I got a team that's in the Super Bowl window. Let me not crap on my organization and make things dysfunctional to where I can't get back to the Super Bowl. He realizes the big picture. This is an extremely intelligent guy. And I thought he really handled himself well in this interview. He also addressed his relationship with Jordan Love, a guy he's spoken to multiple times. Here's some Aaron Rodgers regarding his new colleague. You know, I learned a lot over the over those years of working with Brett, uh, things that I can bring to the relationship with Jordan and just understand the mindset. You know, I, I, was, I went through it as a young 21, 22, 23-year-old uh, playing with my idol uh, as a teammate. And... I'll definitely, definitely take those lessons with me. And like I said before, I've always had great relationships with my backups and, and always loved helping those guys out And uh, in any way. You know, the, the more questions they have, the more answers I have. And, and I, I've really, truly embraced those relationships, and it'll be the same with Jordan. He didn't get asked to, to be drafted by the Packers. There's, there's nothing, you know, he's not to blame at all. You know, he's just coming in excited about his opportunity. We had a great conversation the day after the draft, and, and I'm excited to work with him. Uh, you know, he also said there's a shared background between Love and Aaron Rodgers. And I like the fact right. that Aaron Rodgers is looking for similarities, not dissimilarities. And the shared background is came out of school, lightly recruited, had to go prove themselves. And, you know, may maybe this is Aaron Rodgers' opportunity to look at the situation and say, and this is something that, that we didn't play for you, but Rodgers did say, uh, Jordan Love didn't ask to be drafted by the Packers. He's not to blame right. here, right? And and I, I I I hope that this is a sign that Aaron Rodgers is going to break the chain, right? That he's not going to treat Jordan Love the way that Brett Favre treated Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, the whole concept of hazing, the whole concept of treating the new guy like crap. Well, why do you do that? Well, because I got treated like crap when I was the new guy. You, 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 it all flows downhill, wouldn't it be great if Aaron Rodgers rises above that and doesn't treat Aaron or treat Jordan Love the way he got treated by Brett Favre? Because he was treated mercilessly by Brett Favre. Right. Favre didn't want him there. Favre was jealous of him. Favre resented him. Favre treated him like crap. And it took 15 years for them to 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 find a, a friendship out of all that. But uh, maybe this is a sign that Aaron Rodgers isn't going to do to Jordan Love what Brett Favre did to Aaron Rodgers. I think so. You know, again, I think Rodgers, he, he understands the big picture of football, his legacy, you know, and what has happened to him in his personal life. And I think Rodgers, you know, you and I have both, we both know that. Yeah, I don't think Brett Favre was like overwhelmingly nice to Aaron Rodgers early on in his career. I think Brett Favre was like, hey, screw you, young kid. I still got some good football here and I don't give a damn what you do. And I'm not sitting here to try to teach you or make you any better. I'm sure that bothered Aaron Rodgers to where he won't be the same guy. And, you know, to the fact of Aaron Rodgers talked about it, I think it hurt his soul a little bit that Brett Favre taught him like that. I mean, hey, nobody has played like more like Brett Favre than Aaron Rodgers since Brett Favre's left the game. I mean, you just heard Aaron Rodgers say that was his idol, Brett Favre. I think Jordan Love, one of his idols, is Aaron Rodgers. Hey, one of the things I saw from Jordan Love and one of the first things I wrote down was – man, has a lot of Rodgers mannerisms and throwing styles and things like that. I'm sure that's what Green Bay saw and liked about it. 
You know, so Rodgers, I think, is going to have a soft spot in his heart for how he was treated with his idol. And he's going to want to be a better idol for this new young kid. And the big point is what he said. Don't blame Jordan Love. This is not his fault. Jordan Love just worked hard and, and ha- had a good career at Utah State and impressed people, you know, in the, the post-college career workouts and bowl games and things like that. So you can't blame him. He didn't call Green Bay and said, hey, please draft me. I want to stir the pot in Green Bay and annoy Aaron Rodgers. No, not at all. And I think Rodgers will take the right approach with Love. Jordan Love has also addressed the situation separately. We don't have the sound of that, but here's what he said as to his selection in round one and justifying the faith in him. No matter where I would have landed, that was the goal for me. You got to go out there, prove yourself, and make a name for yourself. It's a job. You got to be able to keep that for me, just trying to learn the offense and prove myself. And look, he is in a tough spot. I, and and the, these guys are wired to never say anything that that would suggest they're not happy with how things played out. But surely Jordan Love would have preferred being taken by a team that didn't have one of the all-time great quarterbacks looming on the roster in front of him and have an opportunity to get to the starting job without about without a bunch of controversy, without a huge set of expectations when he becomes the starter, if he ever becomes the starter. And when that happens remains to be seen because Aaron Rodgers has made it clear that he is determined to continue to be the Packers starter beyond his current contract. He has said time and again, time and again, he wants to play into his forties. He wants to finish his career with the Packers. That is clear. There's no misunderstanding about that, Chris. And that's an important point because here comes what I think was the key question and answer from this conference call on Friday on Rodgers' future with the Packers. We got the question and the answer. We're going to play it for you, and then we'll react on the other side. I know we've all heard you say you wanted to finish your career as a Packer, even beyond your current contract. Do you think this pick affects that in any way, and is that still your plan to do that? Well, I think what it does is just reinforce kind of the the, the adage that you can only control what you can control. And it's always been, you know, a mantra uh, for myself. And I think any, you know, any – great athlete you know there's things that are just out of our control that obviously is is something that's very important to me but you know it is definitely telling at this point that that is truly something that's out of my control what i can't control is how i play and making that decision at some point uh, a very hard one um you know if, if i were to retire in the organization's timetable then it's an easy decision but uh, if there comes a time where i still feel like i can play at a high level and and uh, my body feels great, you know, then there's, you know, other guys have, have, have gone on and played elsewhere. That's the kicker. That's the key. And, Chris, I wrote an item on Friday during the conference call. Once I heard that, once I took down the key language, I posted it, I tweeted it, and Packers fans lost their minds. You're mischaracterizing what he said. He never said that. He never said he, it was clear that he's going to play somewhere else if the Packers decide to move on before he's ready to retire from football. Well, yes, he did. You just heard it. It's as clear as it can be. If there comes a time where I feel like I can play at a high level and my body feels great, there are other guys that have gone on and played elsewhere. And that is right in the smack dab middle of the context of what happens if the Packers want to move on before he is ready to move on from the game. And it's obvious. We already knew that. 
but he said it. There's a starkness that comes into it. There's a quality yeah. that makes it real, that makes it raw. Right. And Packers fans, Chris, they want to plug their fingers in their ears and say, la, 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 not listening. They don't want to face reality. They don't want to worry about this, this thing that's just kind of hovering over the franchise now. Sorry, folks, it's there. We're not doing our jobs if we don't point it out. Feel free to ignore it, but it's there. Well, don't get mad at Mike Florio is what I want to tell all those people. And, you know, again, it's just another Aaron Rodgers. He just he's a very real guy. You know, there's no BS in him. And he understands the situation and he sees it as a whole. So, you know, don't get frustrated with contacts with Mike Florio or anything else there. I mean, again, Green Bay fans, if you're mad, just be mad at your own team right now. They, they started this mess and that's the issue here. But I don't think it's going to be an issue for this team in 2020. And I'm not so sure if it will be for 2021 either, just because I think Rodgers is still so talented. He's still one of the five best quarterbacks in the game. He's still got arguably the second best arm in the game, other than Patrick Mahomes. You know, there's some other ones that maybe close the gap a little bit, but Rodgers isn't going to be like during practice, like, oh my gosh, this Jordan Love guy is so talented. I'm so threatened. I don't know what to do. No, Aaron Rodgers is going to be like, zoo, how about that laser? Jordan, can you do that? No, no. <laughs> zoo, hey, you keep practicing. One day you'll be able to do it. Here's another laser. Zoo. So he's not going to be threatened by it at all. And I think he will be a good mentor. And hopefully Jordan Love will take it all too. Take it all in, man. I mean, gosh, I know I was so happy to be playing under a Super Bowl winning quarterback like Brad Johnson let alone what it would be like to play for Aaron Rodgers and the things he sees and the tricks he can give you. I mean, this is a guy that's Zen master quarterback, one of the greatest of all time. So just digest it all and try to soak up as much as you can from that guy. What was that sound again? Laser beams, freaking (laughs) laser beams. (laughs) All right. Um, and, And look, you know, you hit the nail on the head, Chris. The Packers made this mess by drafting Jordan Love. If you don't draft a quarterback in round one, if you don't trade up four spots to draft this guy, it's not an issue. It's only an issue because they have added Aaron Rodgers' successor at a time when he's made it clear he's sticking around for the next four seasons and he wants to stay beyond that. Well, now we got a timeline problem because Jordan Love has a four-year contract with a fifth-year option. Aaron Rodgers wants to play into his 40s with the Packers, well, that takes him to five, six, or seven seasons out. This Jordan Love pick may end up being a waste. So it's hard to reconcile it. And I'm sorry, Packers fans, but your team is the organization that said, let's go ahead and introduce this uncertainty into the latter stages of Aaron Rodgers' career with the Packers. And I still think that at some level, they've looked at this and said, all right, we have a guy we can develop who could take over for Aaron Rodgers if he dips. We have a guy who can learn from Aaron Rodgers if Aaron Rodgers decides to treat him better than Brett Favre treated Aaron Rodgers. And most importantly, to the extent that it pisses Aaron off and makes him better than he's been in recent years, even better than what we've seen, and has him go out with a flourish, we win. We'll take it. However it plays out, it works out well for us. No no, no doubt. You're right. And, you know, I think there's a good chance we're going to see Aaron Rodgers buckle down and play some really awesome football would you know if you made me look into my crystal ball right here I would go oh this looks like New England and the Jimmy Garoppolo situation all over again except New England didn't use a first round pick and use a fourth round pick to trade up in the first round 
you know, here's a case where Green Bay, a few years from now, Aaron Rodgers still might be the quarterback, and they're trading Jordan Love away, and, oh, it's for a second or third round pick, and it's gonna, I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to be the one going, damn, you, you guys wasted a first and a fourth round pick to, to get a second or third round pick. Great job. I, I don't know about that. And uh, that's, to me, where it's extremely dicey with one of the most talented guys we've ever seen, a guy that's playing at a very high level. And, of course, uh, we know is not afraid to kind of say shove it where the sun don't shine if he does prove everybody wrong. And let's look at the context before we take a break of what happened once Jimmy Garoppolo arrived in New England. 2014, 10 years since the team's last Super Bowl win. Hmm, it's 10 years since the Packers' last Super Bowl win. And 41-14 to 14, Monday night loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. A reporter dares to ask the question of whether or not there's consideration being given to benching Tom Brady for Jimmy Garoppolo. And, you know, just a dismissive attitude from Bill Belichick. Well, there was a guy in the back that didn't take a dismissive attitude. He got upset. And what happened? Super Bowl win, 2014. Almost back in the Super Bowl, 2015. Super Bowl win, 2016 in that game for the ages against the Falcons. Almost another Super Bowl win in 2017. Super Bowl win in 2018. I mean, that Garoppolo thing lit yeah. the fuse on this late late career bomb that was Tom Brady elevating himself to the best quarterback of all time. So, look, I, I'm not saying the Packers are going to win three of the next five Super Bowls, but I can understand the logic there. And now maybe they've gone a little overboard by making it a first-round pick, Chris, but again, good problem to have. If Jordan Love ends up getting traded to the 49ers or someone else before he's ever really played any meaning for football for the Packers, because if that gets Aaron Rodgers to an even higher level than he's otherwise going to occupy, the Packers have made one of the best moves that they ever have in their franchise history. Yeah, I mean, watch out. I mean, you're you're right. I mean, it's it's, it's a special football player. Yeah, it just hey, again, it's it's uh, it's really going to be unbelievable to watch as we go into the season here. I don't understand it still. But I do think Aaron Rodgers is going to handle it like a professional. And I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be out to prove a lot of people wrong this year and, and be on his A game more than ever. And uh, Packers fans like to hear that. They don't like to hear about the possibility of Aaron Rodgers playing somewhere else, which is very real. They do like to hear about the possibility of Aaron Rodgers finding another gear, another level of performance, and getting back to the Super Bowl and winning it, which is entirely possible as well. He has said, and he specifically said during that conference call, that he loves the team's chances this year. We'll see if we agree when we take a look at some projected NFC North win totals when PFT Live continues right after this. I think some of the beauty in, in the situations is that there are a lot of sentiments about us being not a great 13-3 and team last year. So I don't know if we're going to, you know, be a, be a favorite or be the team that's expected to, to dominate the NFC. I mean, I, I, I love our chances. I love our team. Um, the key will be to find a way to recreate that chemistry and, and come together. But that, that gets figured out, in, in, you know, when we get back together in training camp. You know, I like our chances. I like our squad. I like the leadership of the football team. And um, and I also like that, you know, there's probably not going to be sky-high expectations for us like last year. And at the same time, I really feel like we'll be in the mix. 
Aaron Rodgers talking about the Packers' chances in 2020, 13 and three last year, and it really was one of those. Man, there were some games that easily could have gone either way. How did they get to 13 and three? Vegas does not have a whole lot of faith, Chris, in the Packers this year. DraftKings has the win total set. The Packers are over under nine wins. You know, I've seen it as low as eight and a half. And the first time I saw it, I thought, what in the world? Did did Aaron Rodgers retire and they just haven't announced it yet? What do they know that we don't know? Doesn't nine seem too low for this team, even though 13 and three may have been a little bit of an aberration last year? Well, I, I am one of those that believes that, you know, 13 and three was a little bit of an aberration last year. I will state that clearly. You know, again, it, this is a good football team. Do I sit here and go, ooh, they were dominant? No, I think it was a good football team with a great quarterback who knew how to close out games with teams that were equal to or lesser than them. And they didn't let any really uh, wins get out of their grasp really per se, or for lack of a better phrase. But, you know, if you go back and look at their 2019 schedule, it's pretty favorable. Hey, the good thing is for, at least for me and like within the nine win conversation. Yeah. I think if I sit here right now, I think I expect green Bay to be above nine wins, but I don't know how much more than that, Mike. I mean, you know, one, what have they really done to improve their roster? You know, so I, I don't know if I love that. They are going to be playing a first place schedule this year. That's going to be different. Um, but I don't view them as a team to go back to be a 13 and win football team, I guess is what I'm saying. I think I look at it as maybe a 10 and six, 11 and five. The good thing for them, I think, is their division, I don't think, got incredibly better either. Minnesota stayed somewhat similar. Detroit, yeah, they got better and collected some New England players, but I'm not blown out of the water. The same thing with the Bears, to where I still look at Green Bay and go, I think they're the best team in the division. Clearly that. The Vikings have lost some key players. Everson Griffin, a free agent, who I guess in theory could still return to Minnesota depending upon what happens elsewhere, although they don't have the cap space to give him a significant contract. Stephon Diggs was traded uh, right before the free agency period officially opened. That was a surprise, although not completely unexpected. But you go younger at that position with Justin Jefferson. You're rolling right. the dice that that, that player is going to be able to step in and make a difference. Somebody across Madden Thielen has to do something in that offense. So there's a lot of question marks for that Vikings team. A blend of, of young players and established players, and they're going to have to make it work quickly without the benefit of an offseason program. They're at eight and a half wins, and one piece of news from over the weekend, safety Anthony Harris has accepted his franchise tender, so he's with the team this year at $11.4 million. Is eight and a half wins? Where do you go? You, 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 can't, you can't call a push on this one. It's over or under. What do you think with the Vikings at eight and a half? Well, I, you know, you hit on all the key points. You, you talked about some of the offensive players they're missing, too. You know, I mean, the defense is going to be a, a lot different. You know, you, of course, you mentioned Everson Griffin, but no Trey Waynes, no Xavier Rhodes, no Mackenzie Alexander in the secondary anymore. So that's going to be a different thing. And especially with Minnesota Vikings and Mike Zimmer, and he's the defensive genius. I mean, you know, how comfortable are some of these new young players going to be in the scheme? How smart are they? So I, I don't know. I still look at Minnesota as going, they're a playoff caliber football team. You know, your Vikings are solid. I don't sit here, though, and go, oh, man, no, this is a Super Bowl caliber team. I look at them as, yeah, that fringe playoff, ooh, they could be dangerous and win a game in the playoffs, but that's about it type of team. And, yeah, I think, you know, as I sit here and look at their schedule, uh, it's going to be tough. 
it's going to be tough, I think, to replicate what you did last year and, and that success. You know, Green Bay, Colts, Tennessee Titans, Houston Texans, Seattle Seahawks for your first got five games of the year. Uh, I think we'll have a good feel for what the Minnesota Vikings will be uh, after that little stretch and how serious we'll take them as contenders. Yeah, I mean, the Packers and Aaron Rodgers right out of the gates. And you mentioned all of the defensive backs who are gone, whether they were cut or whether they uh, left as free agents. And I scroll through the cornerbacks here. And when you look at the when you look at the experience, it's a lot of two, one and R meaning years of experience for these guys. And a lot of our rookie, rookie, rookie guys they drafted, they hope can, they can get up to speed. But you know, and, and something Mike Zimmer said last week, that he's not really into the idea of joint practices this year in training camp because he's got to focus on getting his guys ready. Forget about trying to practice against other teams. We got to get these guys ready. We got to teach them technique. We got to show them how to right. be football players. We got we to we make them prepared to face what they're going to be facing in the NFL. And Zimmer's very good about coaching up defensive backs, but I think this is going to be one of his toughest challenges because uh, for a lot of these guys, he's starting from scratch, getting through to them what it's going to take to properly defend against the highest level of passing attacks that the NFL can provide because they're going to be playing a lot of teams with great quarterbacks this year. Man, I mean, really are. I mean, when you look at it and go Aaron Rodgers, Phillip Rivers, Tannehill, Watson, Russell Wilson, Matt Ryan, back to Aaron Rodgers in your first seven games of the year. I mean, that's real deal. You're right. That's going to be quite the test on that young secondary, let alone Everson Griffin's not there. Like you mentioned to where that helps the secondary out when a guy like that, a freak of nature is running around the edge, making the quarterback have to throw the ball quicker. That'll make the secondary look a lot better. So yeah, there's some, there's some questions there with the Minnesota football team. I mean, I just, I don't know. You tell me, Mike. I mean, I just think the NFC North is underwhelming as is. The only thing I look at at the end of the NFC North as like a bright, shiny object is like, okay, Aaron Rodgers, you know, and then maybe that Bears defense. Other than that, you know, is there a lot of elite to go around in the NFC North? I'm not so sure about that. Bears are at seven and a half wins over under, and the Lions are at seven. I, I got a... I got a hard time believing that either team is going to go over with the Bears. Who knows? Who knows? The, the Bears are one of those roller coaster teams where when the expectations are high, they fail. When the expectations are low, they thrive, right? So the expectations are low this year. Ipso facto, they're going to thrive. The Lions just continue. Whatever the bar is, they continue to find a way to just run right under it. Well, the Bears got to find an identity as a football team. You know, last year, it's like they were trying to be like the Kansas City Chiefs on offense, but the 85 Bears on defense. And that's not cohesive to making a team or, or winning football games, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But, hey, if you're the Chicago Bears, and I know you got Matt Nagy, and he came from Kansas City, and you want this high-flying offense, hey, that's, sure, that's great. You don't have Patrick Mahomes and some of the weapons. It's not going to happen. But what you do have is a borderline Super Bowl-caliber defense. So play through that. And I think that's where they really messed up last year. So the Bears, yeah, it's seven wins. Hey, I could sit here and see that. But I won't sit here and be shocked if the Bears ended up like 10 and six either. Because I think if they play the game the right way and get better at, you know, playing more physical on offense, run the football a little bit. I mean, they're one of the worst running teams in football last year. Their running scheme stink to go along with it. It's very simple. And I don't care how good your defense is. You know, Khalil Mack, Danny Trevathan, Akeem Hicks, it's hard to be really awesome and dominate a game when you're out there every four plays because your offense can't get a first down or do anything. 
So that, to me, is where the Bears have to change, too. And if they can play that way and find that formula to play through their defense and ball control and do that, they could be one of those teams to like what you're saying, Mike. That's an ugly 10-6 and six football team that won a lot of games 17-13 to 13 or 20-17. to 17. I wouldn't be shocked with that. They've made some good improvements to their roster. I like the Cole Komet at tight end, Jimmy Graham at tight end. They're making it look like they're going to try to play a tougher brand on off, a tougher brand of football on the offensive side. Uh, but we'll see. And of course, the quarterback issue is a big, big concern in Chicago. Well, and look, to the extent that they decided to make Nick Foles the newcomer, and Matt Nagy said last week that for Foles learning that offense, just like riding a bike, he knows that offense. I'd go back to the playoff run for Philadelphia in 2017, the playoff run in 2018, which included a trip to Chicago and an upset of the Bears, who had won the division with a 12-4 and record. I would just do what the Eagles did with Nick Foles, right? They, they, had a, they had a defense that was good enough, and Nick Foles made it happen. Put your faith in Nick Foles and tell him, go do it. Once you've acquired him, you've, you've, that's what you've signed on for. It's the Don Shula advice that still resonates with Kevin Colbert, the Steelers GM to this day. If you have red paint, paint your barn red. You've got Nick Foles. Do what Nick Foles has done well in the past. That is what you're hitching your wagon to for 2020. And if they can pull that off, they can have more than seven and a half wins, Chris. Yeah, they definitely can. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, I, I think they should start Nick Foles to start the year, bar barring something crazy to happen. I just think the, the spotlight, the scrutiny, if you start Trubisky, will be too much to handle. It'll be a disruption for the football team. The first time he throws an incompletion, the fans are, boo, put Nick Foles in there. Just start Nick Foles. You're right. Find a, a brand of or a style of offense that fits fits Foles. He's big, you know. He can he's he's really fearless in the pocket. If you can run the ball, he'll take care of the ball and he'll make some plays down the field. And that'll be interesting. And then you know, hey, Mike, we didn't hit on Detroit much, but Detroit, we know this is a huge year for their organization and their football team. Bob Quinn, Matt, Matt Patricia. I mean, we know their butts are kind of on the hot seat. Matt Stafford, is this his last year there? You know, we saw the culture change last year and we saw some positives and then Matt Stafford got hurt and it all kind of went down the toilet that way. But, you know, I just don't know what to expect from the Detroit Lions, I guess is what I'm saying. And my attitude with the Lions, until they prove me wrong, I'm not going to expect anything. My expectations are just, they don't exist. I have no expectations for the Lions. I've, I've been aware of this team for 50 years and other than some periodic, you know, blips, it's been nothing. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not saying they're going to be bad. I'm not saying they're going to be good. I'm just saying I expect nothing, and let's just see yeah. what the Lions can do this year. All right, let's take a break. Next up, you're going to hear Andy Reid talk about how much free food he's gotten since his Super Bowl win. And then after that, we're going to do our draft. Which NFL personality would you want as your commencement speaker? And we're going to have some fun with that one coming up next here on PFT Live. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines.
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello, you Bay seniors. Soon to be fellow alumni. Like the one and only Robbie G, baby. I just want to say congratulations on all your hard work and dedication to come so far. But life is now about to pick up. So get out there and dominate. And never, ever, ever forget to bear down. Go Wildcats. Go Bucks. Woo! It's hard to take Rob Gronkowski seriously anyway. It's even harder to take him seriously when he's sending a heartfelt message in sock feet, Chris. <laughs> well, also, like with his Blade Runner glasses there, when it's like the sun's <laughs> going down. I won't lie, though. I was jealous. I, I recognized that Tampa sunset there. Man, that looked warm and relaxing. Uh, I could use some of that nice warm weather here. The Northeast, we're just starting to get a little taste of it. I'm, I'm starving for it, Mike. Gee, I wonder why he'd be in Tampa since huh. there isn't practice or any reason to go to the facility and he he you know he had a house in New England. I wonder why he'd be why would he be in Tampa? Oh, I why know, he, right? Why would he, all right. Um, I'm all not right, sure. Uh, quarterback uh Patrick Mahomes is one of two Texas Tech players to be drafted in the top ten in the Super Bowl era. And obviously Patrick Mahomes did the virtual commencement address for Texas Tech. This weekend, who is the other Texas Tech player to be taken in the top 10 of the draft in the Super Bowl era, Chris? You know this. What? Say that again. Hold on one more time. I was not ready for the question. I was reading something oh. on our document. <laughs> okay. Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> yes. Hopefully the audience wasn't listening the first time either. Patrick Mahomes <laughs> is one of two Texas Tech players to be drafted in the top 10 in the Super Bowl era. Who is the other? Oh, sorry about that. That would be Michael Crabtree. Am I correct with that? Yeah, it should count as an incorrect, though. I should have forced you to answer it at the time because I didn't hear the question would not have been the correct answer to the question. <laughs> you know, when you started talking about the Mahomes commencement speech, I kind of just went off and didn't listen to you for a second just to make sure I was at the right place in our sheets here to pay attention to where we are in the show and I didn't think you were reading the question. So sorry, my bad. But I got it right. So I get the first pick. I mean, all right. I want to see Bill Belichick. I'm sorry. I mean, like, it's kind of like, but but Bill Belichick, for two reasons, I'd want to see Bill Belichick as my commencement speaker. One, he can be a little uncomfortable speaking publicly, which I think would be entertaining to watch, where you'd go, man, here's a guy that can get in front of, 53 grown man, tough football players and yell at them and, 
you know, make jokes or be serious and whatever it may be and command that room like no other, but then yet get in front of some school kids and be a little bit like not in his zone and a little uncomfortable that way. And then also, I think he's going to shed some great advice and knowledge on you. That's where I think I'd want to listen to Bill Belichick. I mean, he's going to teach you or have a few things uh, as far as approach, work ethic, you know, just deep thoughts that I think would help any young kid out. So that's why Belichick would be my first pick. See, I was inclined to go Belichick, not for any of the reasons you said. I have a very, very (laughs) basic rule of thumb when it comes to commencements. And I've been there. I've done that. I've sat there. And what do you typically do when you attend a commencement, right? You have the program and you just like, I know at least what I do. Okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? What's next? Let's just get this damn thing over with. And I think Bill Belichick's speech would be short enough that it would move the program along. Because really, who remembers anything that they ever heard at any commencement that ever was performed in the history of the world? Does anybody remember anything? I mean, maybe if like the fan man guy showed up, remember the guy that used to crash events in the parachute, yeah, right? right. The, sure. the, maybe something like that you would remember. And, and, and you know what? The most memorable speech would be the one where the person just says, thank you and good night and walks away. So, <laughs> yeah, right. uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, I tend to think that Bill Belichick would not have a long speech. So I would want Belichick for that reason. I, I, I'm going to go. Um, I, there's a, there's a lot I can choose from. Mike Ditka was a name that popped up to me though. And I know he's currently not in the NFL. And we've been talking about the 85 bears a lot lately. We had him in the draft last week, but when you think about presence, when you think about somebody who is going to give you the kind of advice that he knows you need, even if you don't want to hear it, it's going to be Mike Ditka. He's going to have a cigar, right? And he's going to tell you what you need to know. And it may not be pleasant. It may not be comfortable. And it may not be short. But within that, there are going to be some very useful nuggets if you just bother to listen to what this guy is saying because he will coach you into the spot where you need to be. So... Forget about all I said with Bill Belichick being short and sweet. If I'm going to sit and listen to somebody, I want to listen to Mike Ditka. All right. I'm, I'm not mad at you there. He's on my list. He'd be one of those guys that, yeah, it's going to be knowledge, say some funny things, uh, certainly, and go off the rails a little bit. So that's good. But, you know, all right, so I made it like a, a serious first pick. Here's a, a little bit of a different angle. I'm going Terry Bradshaw. I'm going similar with you. Terry Bradshaw, you know, you said you might learn some things with Belichick or Dicka. You probably won't learn anything with Terry Bradshaw, but you will have a great laugh. That's what I can count on with Terry Bradshaw. He will go off the rails. He is a great storyteller. He's one of the greatest personalities I've ever been around. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've laughed with Terry Bradshaw. So, yeah, it might not be like lifelong knowledge, but if you want to remember a good commencement speech and have a laugh and say, Ooh, that was enjoyable. I think Terry Bradshaw would be your guy. I'm going to stay in Pittsburgh as well on this one. And I'm influenced by recent events. I want James Harrison Uh. up there. First of all, I want to hear more about what was in the envelope. And second of all, I mean, when you talk about a presence and somebody's going to tell you something you need to hear and you better listen, it's James Harrison. So give me James Harrison round two. Yeah, okay. I, it's funny because actually, I was actually thinking about maybe going Mike Tomlin with this conversation. Uh, but I'm going to go back he to He can tell Coach us Bill. what was in the envelope. He can also tell us what was in the envelope. Well, who cares? I mean, why we're on that? Who cares? No, okay? no, we don't like, have time. 
I know. Okay, fine. P- save All it right, for fine. PFTOT. We don't have time. Okay, right. I'll save it for that. All right, I- I'm going to go with Pete Carroll. I want to see Pete Carroll chewing his gum and num, 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 and moving around and dancing around the podium. And, 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 of course, Pete Carroll, hey, he's been successful in so many different places. He's got great energy about him. I mean, yeah, he walks around like he's 79 years old, but then you get him on a football field with a piece of gum and he jumps around like he's 27 years old. So I, I, uh, I would love to be sitting in a seat, listening to his motivational tactics, his energy, things like that. Uh, last one for me, and I'm torn here. I'm torn between David Baker and Chris Berman. Uh, I'll go Chris Berman, <laughs> even though the commencement will never end. Pack a lunch, <laughs> pack a dinner, bring a sleeping bag. Once he gets that microphone, folks, he is not giving it up, but every – a second of it will be entertaining. He'll have a nickname for everyone in the class. Uh, I'll, I'll take Chris Berman reluctantly uh, and uh, with a I almost nearby. went John Madden. Uh, I hear you there. I almost went John Madden, yeah. which I should have. I just wasn't sure, you know, where, where John Madden's at as a speaker right now, being, you know, up there in years a little bit. <laughs> All right, quick break. Peter King has an in-depth look at how a new coach is preparing for the season in this week's Football Morning in America. We'll tell you more when PFT Live continues right after this. For those of us who grew up in the 70s, the NFL Today was appointment viewing every Sunday, and Phyllis George became a big part of that program in 1975, a broadcasting pioneer, blazing a path for female sports broadcasters that uh, has continued to widen over the course of the last 45 years. She passed away last week at the age of 70. Our condolences to her family, friends, and colleagues. And Michael McCaskey, the former Bears president and CEO and chairman of the board, Chris He passed away after an extended battle with cancer this weekend at 76. He was the guy who was at the top of the ladder for the 1985 Bears, one of the great teams in NFL history. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, one of the great teams in NFL history and, of course, really ran one of the great organizations in the history of our league, the Chicago Bears. I mean, they have a storied history. So, yeah, these are two very important people to the framework of not, you know, one national media, but two, just the NFL and how it's presented today and what we see. So always sad to see those type of personalities go. Uh, Condolences to both families. Yeah, Michael McCaskey, the grandson of George Hallis and the eldest of 11 children of Virginia McCaskey, who is still going, the daughter of George Hallis, still owning the Chicago Bears to this day. That's it for today's PFT Live. We'll see you back here again on Tuesday. See ya. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.